So anyhow, let's open our Bibles today to uh, John 3.16 is where we'll start. John 3.16. How many of you had a great, great Valentine's Day? Hopefully. Yeah. Did you get treated right? That's the important thing. How many of you is like, I hate Valentine's Day? Yeah, if you're single and unattached, you hate Valentine's Day. Or if you're a married guy that forgot it was Valentine's Day, you probably hate Valentine's Day. A traumatic experience. But uh, today I want to talk to you about love, but I want to talk to you about a love that's far greater than, than anything we probably celebrated over the, over the last few days. Uh, love here is, is grand. It's wonderful. We had a great time. I took Kathy to hear some mariachi singers and some Mexican food, and we did our Valentine's. But the love that God has for us is far greater than anything we'll ever experience here. And in fact, I believe that this, John made it clear that God is love. And I think there are many people that wander around this world that because they don't have a relationship with God, they don't fully comprehend what love really is or experience all that love really is. Uh, I, I think it's almost impossible to experience it to its fullest without knowing God and having a relationship with Him. And so we're going to talk about love. We sang that kid's song just a little bit ago, and I hate to use the word kid's song, but we generally sing that in Sunday school, don't we? Yes, Jesus loves me. You know, the Bible tells me so. And I wanted to sing that this morning because that's, that's what we're kind of talking about. And this is the, the question I have for you. Is it really the case that people know that Jesus loves them? Is it possible that we live in a world where there are doubts about that? Where maybe folks have fears that maybe God doesn't really love me. Maybe, you know, I know he says he does. I know that, you know, I know the story. But I wonder sometimes if he really loves me and how much he loves me. Because I'll tell you, I talk to people all the time that are so fearful that God is angry with them or God's out to get them and that God's paying them back for something they've done in the past. And we always tend to jump to that negative side of where God is, is angry and he's vengeful. And, and God has this balance, doesn't he? He is an angry God, but he is a loving God. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. And all these things come into play. Do you think most people know that God loves them? And do you think they understand how great that love is? that he has for them. And I contend that maybe they don't. And I think as a, as a preacher or any one of us telling people about God, one of the most important things we could ever convey to them is that God loves them. That God loves them. John 3 and 16, you've probably quoted this verse a thousand times or more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. I mean, God loved us that much that He sent Jesus to die for us. And when He says God so loved the world, the world is everyone. It's all of us. It wasn't just that, that God so loved the folks down at Farmersville Free Will Baptist Church so much that He sent Jesus to die for them. The reality is there's a world filled with people out there that may not even be sitting in church somewhere this morning, and God loved them enough to send Jesus to die for them. It's why we have missions activities. It's why we witness. It's why we evangelize. It's why we teach Sunday school children about God. It's why we send missionaries to foreign lands because God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. One of my other favorite verses about the love of God is in John 15 and 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. You'll never find a greater love. You'll never find anyone that will love you as much as Jesus did, that he was willing to lay down his life for us. When we talk about love, I want to just clarify a couple things. I think there are two dangers in how, 
in, in regards to how we view God's love. And they're very real. And it's, it's like Satan to normally do things. He takes the truth and he twists it just a little bit this way or a little bit that way and completely messes it up. And so let me just share with you those two dangers before we get into the message completely. But the first one is this, and it's a, it's a lie from the devil as surely as any lie has been. And it is this, is that we are unfit and unworthy. And it's, a, it's such a twist on it because we all know that we're sinners. And we all know that in a sense we're not worthy. But we also need to understand that the very fact that God loved us and saved us, then He made us fit and He made us worthy. And you can walk around this morning feeling so down and like, oh, God could never love me and I mess up all the time and I make mistakes and I hurt people's feelings and all of this. But the fact is God does love you. And God wants to do a work in your life and God saved you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when He saved you, He made you worthy, not so much because of your worthiness, but because of the worthiness of Christ. That when He looks down, He doesn't see our righteousness. He sees the blood of Christ and the righteousness of Christ, which has been applied to us. It's because of our relationship to Him that we are worthy. And the devil will beat us up. How many of us have ever felt discouraged like that? I don't deserve to do this. I was reading this last week, uh, a journal from one of the Puritan preachers of years past, and he shared, and he was a tremendous preacher and a writer, and, and this great preacher shared that at times when he'd preach in the pulpit, he felt like his heart was the darkest heart in the room, and it was just the devil attacking the devil defeating him. David Wilkerson, who did the cross and the switchblade, David Wilkerson preached one time and in the middle of his sermon. He had began preaching and the devil reminded him that he had had a fight with his wife before he left to go to this preaching appointment. And I can tell you, I've never done that. Amen. So no, but uh, he'd had this fight with his wife and yet he still had to go. His obligations were there. And so he got on the plane and in the middle of the sermon, he says, the devil just whispered in his ear, you're a fake. You're a phony. You're not real. And he said he began to cry as he's preaching. He said he almost said the word outside, I'm a phony. And he closed his Bible, walked to the side of the stage and told the person, I've got to go. And ended his sermon. Went home and made things right. But all the while home, he said the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, you listened to the devil. He tried to discourage you. He tried to defeat you. Listen, we make mistakes, folks. But God loves us and God forgives. And, and we're not supposed to listen to the devil when he beats us up like that. And we do. Listen to what the apostle said in the book of Colossians chapter 1. He says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's qualified us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And Paul reminds them that God qualified us for what we're doing because of the redemption that He gave and because of the forgiveness of sins. Our past is gone. And so the first lie, he says, is is you're just not worthy. You're nothing. There's no way that God could possibly love you. The second lie is this. And I believe this is equally a lie. It's that God does not love us. It's that God loves us just the way we are. How many of you have heard that? Someone say, hey, God loves you just the way you are. I was thinking about that. In fact, I saw a very popular person uh, put on their Facebook page, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Just a reminder, God loves you just the way you are. 
And I've heard that places before. That phrase is very familiar. In fact, if you like music, there was a singer named Billy Joel. And Billy Joel sang a song, uh, I love you just the way you are. But if you know Billy Joel, he's about one of the ugliest singers I've ever seen. And he's married to a, or was married to a supermodel named Christy Brinkley. And of course, he would love her just the way she is. If she got any better, she probably wouldn't have been with him. But we serve a God not like Billy Joel. We serve a righteous, holy God who says, be ye holy, even as I am holy. And here's why it's such a lie. And I know it's close, but I don't think that God loves us just the way we are. God loves us in spite of the way that we are. That God looks at us and in our sin, he sees and he knows that the sin is there, but he says, I love you anyway. If he loved us just the way we are, why would he have sent Jesus to Calvary to die for our sins? If he loves us just the way they are, the way we were, why would he have suffered on the cross for us? He did all of that to transform us and to change us. And throughout scripture, he talks about a a transformation that's to take place in our life, that God is changing us. And one day he says, we'll be like his son, Jesus Christ. He loves us in spite of who we are. And he comes into our life and he begins to change us and shape us and mold us. Romans 5 verses 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But then he says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he did love us even at our worst, but it was in spite of our sins. That's what makes his love so amazing. That's what makes his love so wonderful. C.S. Lewis said this, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. I mean, think about that. He's saying what the apostle Paul said. He says, hey, we, we don't try to be good so that God will love us. But because God loves us, he begins to make us good, to transform us, to change us. He loves us in spite of the way that we are, but he desires to transform us. And and the philosophy of this world is, is I'm okay, and you're okay, and we're all okay. But what the Bible teaches is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. God loves us in spite of our sin. In the book of Ephesians, and we'll look here this morning uh, very briefly. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul prays for the church. And part of his prayer is devoted to their experiencing and understanding God's love. I mean, that's, that's one of the, and that should be some, one of the things we maybe think is just so natural. Of course God loves us. But as Paul prays for this church, part of his prayer is devoted to them knowing and understanding and experiencing God's love. Listen to what he says, Ephesians three eighteen and 19. He says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. He's praying that they'll have this strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, let me read the same thing to you from the New Living Translation. And this is what Paul writes. He says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, 
that you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's one of his prayers is that this church would understand, that they would comprehend, that they would experience just how massive God's love is. He talks about how wide it is and how deep it is and and how long it is. And what he's saying is this love is beyond comprehension. It is beyond what we could ever measure. It's measureless. The poem that many quote at Valentine's is, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And it goes on to talk about that. But with God, there's no way we could ever measure the love that he has for us. But the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you begin to understand that. And experience that. And he said this, so that you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, I think when we don't completely understand how much God loves us, we miss out on some things. If we're going through this life questioning whether God loves us or how much he loves us, or or if we're thinking that his love is anything like love that we've experienced here below, we're missing out. How many of you have ever had somebody that you loved and you loved them, or at least you thought you loved and you thought that they loved you, and all of a sudden something came along and it was just crushed? How many times do we hear the phrase in this society of, I fell out of love? Listen, love is not something you fall into or out of. Love is a choice that you make. And yet, that's the world that we live in. And because this world has shaped our thoughts on love in such a way that, yeah, I used to love this person, but now I don't anymore. Because they've done that, we carry that into the church, and we bring that into our theology, and we have this idea that, man, God used to love me so much, but maybe He doesn't so much anymore. Brothers and sisters, God loves you with an everlasting love, the Bible says. And if we don't get that, we miss out on some things. Let me give you some things we miss out on. First of all, when we begin to understand the love of God, then we understand that we are disciplined in the love of God. See, it's not all mushy-gushy good stuff. Sometimes love brings about some other things in our life. The Bible's very clear in Proverbs. He says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof, for the Lord reproves whom He loves as a father the son in whom He delights. And when we don't understand that God loves us, then we have a hard time comprehending why we're being disciplined at times. Why God maybe is rebuking us at times. Why He is uh, chastising us. We begin to have a difficulty with that. And we say, why, why am I suffering these consequences? Why, why is God allowing this to happen to me? And it may very well be that God is reaching down and in love correcting us and bringing us back onto the path where we belong. Hebrews repeats the thing. He says, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It's important that we know that God loves us because then when we go through these times of discipline, reproof, chastisement, correction, we begin to understand how much God loves us. As earthly parents, we get this, don't we? Maybe as young people we didn't. I mean, how many of you have ever been disciplined and the words coming from mom or dad was, this is going to hurt me so much more than it's going to hurt you. And you as a child thought, yeah, right. Or you heard them say, I discipline you because I love you. And you thought, yeah, you got a strange way of showing love. That's the way we view it as children, right? We're immature. We don't understand that. But isn't it amazing how we grow up when we have our own children? And we begin to understand that indeed discipline comes from love, doesn't it? That when we love our children, we will correct them. 
We will do everything we can to set them on the right path. We'll do everything that we can to protect them from harm, from hurt. And so because of that, because we love them, when they reach for something that hurts them, we might swat their hand away. When they do something dangerous, we might grab them up a little quickly and say, don't you ever do that again. But it's because we love them, isn't it? And so we need to understand God's love. We also need to understand God's love because we experience security in the love of God. When we really understand how much God loves us, then we begin to understand how secure we are in this relationship that we have with God. Romans 8, the apostle writes, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, he, he just about covers the bases there, doesn't he? He's telling us that I know because I know the love of God that no matter what I go through, no matter what difficulties arise, no matter what hardships I face, whether it's height or depth or anything else in all of this creation, none of these things will separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I need to know that God loves me so that when I go through the difficult, tough times in life, I know that I am secure, that He will always love me. Do you know this morning that God loves you? But do you also know that if you went home this morning and your house had burned to the ground, he'd love you equally? Do you know this morning that God loves you? But do you also know that if you go in tomorrow and you're given a pink slip at work and say you're no longer needed here, that God will love you just as much unemployed as he loved you employed? Do you know that whatever it is you do for God, whatever way you serve God, that if all of a sudden that was taken from you and you were unable to do it tomorrow, He would still love you just as much? Sometimes we begin to think that God loves me because I preach, and God loves this one because they sing, and God loves this person because they teach a Sunday school class, and God loves this person because they clean the church. But what if it was taken away and we couldn't do any of those things? God still loves us. We need to understand that because there is security to be found in the love of God. We also need to know the love of God because we live victoriously in the love of God. When we understand how much God loves us, it should put a little pep in our step. It should cause us from feeling defeated all the time and discouraged all the time. We should be able to look at challenges in a whole different way when we understand how much God loves us. Romans 8 and 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That no matter what the challenges face, He says, we're not just victorious, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Listen, what challenges are you facing? What struggles are you dealing with right now? And maybe you're walking around and you're defeated and you're saying, hey, I'll never be able to overcome this. I'll never rise above this. I'll never get back on my feet again. I'll never see the light of day. But God says, hey, you are more than a conqueror through me because of the love that I have for you. It's as if God wants us to know that no matter how deep we sink, that his love is so great that he'll lift us up and he'll put our feet on solid ground And he'll say, I'll give you victory in this area. And yet many times we struggle with that, don't we? We think that we've been defeated and we'll never see victory again. 
But God loves you. God loves you. And He will restore the joy of your salvation. I believe God wants to give us back the smile on our faces. He wants to give us back the victory in our lives. He wants to give us back the joy in our hearts. He loves us. And we should live victoriously because of that. If we don't know how much He loves us, we'll walk around feeling defeated and discouraged all the time. How many of you have experienced that maybe on an earthly level here? I mean, have you ever had one of those moments, those of you that are married, if you've been married any length of time, you've had those moments when it seemed like the whole world was crashing down around you and you probably said something like this to your mate, at least we've got each other. And you know, I think that's what we need to understand with God is no matter what happens, we have God. We have God. And that is the very first step in our victory. We need to know the love of God also because we receive mercy and grace in the love of God. Listen to this text. Ephesians 2 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, that verse talks about both ends of this spectrum. It talks about the mercy that God has for us, and it talks about the grace. He says God is rich in mercy. That He comes along, and even though we deserve punishment, even though we deserve death, even though we deserve hell, God has mercy on us, and He doesn't give us what we probably deserve in this life. Why? Because of this great love that He has for us, it says. How many of us can look back to a time when our kids deserved a spanking and a big spanking? But because of this great love that we have for them, maybe we gave them mercy instead. I remember one of the young guys in the church up north, he was a youth pastor at the time, and he had a little boy that was sharp as a tack. And during their devotions, they were reading through this uh, children's devotional Bible, and there was a devotion on mercy and grace. And so they talked about it and what it is, and, and then it wasn't even a week later, there was something that went down, and Dad was real upset, and Dad pulled him aside, and he was doing the, the Christian dad thing. He set him on the bed, this is going to hurt me, son, more than it's going to hurt you, and all these things, you know, and he's, he explains why he's disciplining him. And the boy looks at him, and with this big smile on his face, says, how about a little mercy, Dad? I asked him, I said, what'd you do? And he says, I gave him mercy. What am I going to do? I had to give him the living illustration. And he did. And he explained to him, I'm going to give you mercy. And said, it's just like our devotion. Listen, God gives us mercy because of this great love that he has for us. But he also gives us grace. He gives us, not only doesn't give us what we do, but he gives us what we don't deserve. And he says, by grace we've been saved. And that's also because of God's great love for us. Remember, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if we go through this life not understanding how much God loves us, then we're going to go through this life missing out on the mercy and grace that's available to us. We need to understand God's love because by understanding God's love, we reveal God to others. Let me think about that. When I completely understand God's love, when I allow God's love to be evident in my life, 
it allows others to see God and His love. 1 John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one, he says, has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. One translation says His love is revealed in us. I mean, think about it. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God is revealed to them through us. That little saying, you're the only Jesus some will ever see, pretty accurate. That when I get a grasp of how God loves, it will affect the way that I love. I mean, it's very elementary in in one regard, isn't it? That I should treat people the way that God treats me. That I should love you the way that God loves me. And that includes all that mercy and all that grace. It includes all these things. And finally, we need to know God's love because we have confidence and we overcome fear in the love of God. 1 John says this in verse 16, chapter 4, verse 16. He says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, his love, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And then he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We need to know God's love because it is the whole basis with which we have confidence to face the judgment one day. It it is everything. That God, if we abide in love, he says, then we're abiding in God and God is abiding in us. It is our relationship with God that matters most. And it gives us this confidence that we need to face the judgment. And it casts out fear. I mean, think how most relationships would be improved in this life if we could have that kind of love in our earthly relationships. But because we've done this thing with love that says I've fallen in love and I can fall out of love, we're not experiencing what true love is. And because of that, I think so many marriages are hampered by fear. Man, if I mess up, she's going to kill me. If I mess up, he's going to leave me. But perfect love casts out that fear. It gets rid of it. This idea that we have of marriage is 50-50. Oh, divorce is 50-50. Marriage is 100% and 100%. We put our all into this and we make a covenant between us and God and our mate. And it is for life. And when the perfect love comes in, it says, I love you with an everlasting love like God's love. And even if you mess up, I'm still going to love you. Even if you get old and gray, I'm still going to love you. Even if you turn into a chubby preacher, I'm still going to love you. Did you hear that, honey? Even if. It's this unconditional love. And that casts out all the fear. And it's amazing what people can do when they're not afraid. That many times we perform much higher when there's no fear involved. But when the fear is there, it just cripples us. And how many of us would live better lives as Christians, as children of God, if we weren't always afraid of the judgment? 
How many of us would maybe take on ministries? You've maybe thought about a ministry. You thought, I'd like to do this, but I don't know if I could do it. And I'd hate to fail. I'd hate to let anybody down. What if that fear was gone? And we just said, if God wants me to do it, I'm going to do it. And we quit worrying about judgment or failure. What if we lived every life in this confidence that says, if I just abide in God, if I just abide in His love, and He's in me, then I don't have to worry about this. My heart's desire is for God above everything else, and I may slip up from time to time, but I still love Him, and I'm still pursuing Him. I don't have to have fear. You see, even though we sing as little children, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Do we really know that? Do we really believe that? Do we really understand that? Or we may be going through life missing out on some of God's greatest blessings because we don't comprehend how much He really loves us. I want you to stand with me and we're going to play a song and I want you to sing along. At the end of the song, then we'll have a a time of invitation. But you may recognize the song. Sing along with it. But it talks about the great love of God. It's an old, old hymn. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to
Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Father, we thank you for your great love. 